Welcome to Learn Medical Spanish. Let's go over some terms for rashes in Spanish. So talking about rashes in Spanish can be a little tricky. Perhaps there's not a one word that is as generic or general as the word rash in English. And so maybe, you know, you don't always know what to say for the word rash. Obviously, just like in English, there could be tons of different words you could use to describe rashes. But why don't we learn at least seven? I'm going to teach you seven terms related to rashes and kind of what the differences are and when to use them. And as we go through these seven terms, I'll share some sentences. I'm going to kind of make them up on the fly, but stuff that would be relevant to how you might use these words in a sentence. So we'll expand on the terms just a little bit. All right, so Spanish words for rashes and a little bit about how to use them, perhaps. So I'm going to start with the ones that are kind of more general and give you a little bit of the nuance and whatnot as well as we go along. So the first word, well, there are two words. There are two words that are spelled almost exactly the same as each other. And they both mean rash, just a general word for rash. I don't think there's much difference in the meaning of these words. It's kind of funny that they're spelled so similarly to each other. And do you have any idea what either of these words might be? See if you can think of one or the other. So one of these is sarpullido. Sarpullido. So every time I kind of introduce a word, I'll probably pause and let you say it out loud. So sarpullido. Okay, so sarpullido, that's S-A-R. Um, and that's a pretty general word for a rash, but I understand that it can also kind of refer to a heat rash. So sarpullido with an R can mean a heat rash, but it can also just be a rash. All right, so what's the word that is only different by one letter from that word? Salpullido. Salpullido. Can you hear the difference? <laughs> so that's spelled S-A-L and then P-U-L-L-I-D-O. So it's only that third letter that's different. So salpullido is another word that's pretty general for a rash. So kind of a funny side note. I find it kind of funny these uh, are different only by one letter, the R versus the L, because uh, when I learned Thai, when I went to Thailand and learned Thai, it's kind of funny that if uh, when you're like figuring out how to pronounce the Thai words, and if you write down the pronunciation in English, the R and the L become interchangeable. So the Thai people basically can't hear the difference between an R and an L. So you can write it as an R or write it as an L and it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, this is this may be a total coincidence, but the fact that these two words differ only by that same letter R versus L could be related, perhaps. All right, so how would you use these in a sentence? What would you say to your patient? Well, what do you say in English? Maybe like, do you have a rash? Let's start with that because that's pretty easy. How would you say, do you have a rash using one of these words? Tiene sarpullido? Tiene sarpullido? So I was using the first one with the R, but it doesn't matter which one you use, basically. All right, so all that is is do you have a rash? Tiene means do you have because it's the usted form, right? So usted tiene, but you can leave out usted and it's basically implied. 
um, in most cases. But if it's not obvious from the context, then go ahead and say it. Usted tiene? All right. So the next one is going to be another word that's kind of a general word for rashes. Um, and this one is kind of a cognate. So in other words, it kind of sounds like an English word. And uh, it sounds like the English word eruption. So that could help you remember it because an eruption in the skin could be a rash, right? So this is pretty general. Um, and here's the word. Erupción. Erupción. All right. So the erupción, pretty general, but what's an example of how you might use that in a sentence? Well, let's do something different. Let's say you want to ask about a rash on the genitals because you're wondering if they have syphilis or something. So if you just want to ask them and you say, do you have a rash on the genitals? How would you say that? Tiene erupción en los genitales? Tiene erupción en los genitales? So that's one way you could say, do you have a rash on the genitals or in the genital area? All right. So obviously you don't have to use erupción just for the genitals because I said it's a pretty general word, but that would be an option. All right. So the next word is, uh, this is a word that means can mean pimples, but can also kind of refer to little bumps because pimples are kind of like little bumps, right? But sometimes it's just used to mean there's like little bumps that you can feel on the skin. Um, so this word is granitos. Granitos. And as you can tell, it's also sort of a cognate because it sounds like grains. You can think of it like little grains, like pieces of wheat kernels or whatever <laughs> on your skin. And that would kind of make sense, like little bumps. Um, so again, it can mean pimples or little bumps. Um, and so let's go ahead and form a question um, about uh, using this word. But let's do something slightly different. Um, so let's put it in the past tense now. Instead of, do you have a rash? Did you have a rash? Did you have a rash at some point before right now? Um, if you're kind of referring to the last few days or whatever, or the last few weeks. Did you have a rash using this word? How would you say that? Tenía granitos? Tenía granitos? All right, so why did I say tenía and not Tuvo, that's imperfect and preterite. Well, most of the time, if you have something that's kind of open-ended in the past, you just use the imperfect because that's kind of open-ended. Uh, the preterite's more for when there's a distinct beginning and end. So you could use that and they would understand, but my intuition is it, it makes more sense with the imperfect, meaning it's just kind of like, you don't know the time frame, but did you have a rash before now? All right, so that's granitos. All right, so the next word is, is a word that's often used to mean hives, urticaria. So referring to probably an allergic reaction, right? 
So this word is, any idea? Ronchas. Ronchas. So ronchas can be hives. And let's make another sentence. So what sentence should we make? Well, let's add a little more specificity. Um, we'll just, you know, practice some different terms this way. So instead of saying, do you have a rash or did you have a rash? Or like, do you have hives or did you have hives? Let's say, do you have hives on your arms and legs? So how would you say that? Tiene ronchas en los brazos o las piernas? Tiene ronchas en los brazos o las piernas? So, as an English speaker, I, I, I often have to catch myself and realize when you want to say your arms, in Spanish, you usually don't use the word your. You say the. You almost always refer to body parts as the. But as an English speaker, it's more natural to say your, right? If you, if you do that, they're still going to understand, but it's more natural for them to say the arms and the legs versus your arms and your legs. All right. So we've got two more terms. So the next one is very general. So maybe I should have put it at the beginning, but I mean, it also doesn't necessarily mean a rash. It's just a very general word because it's the word for redness, or it's at least one way to say redness. So how would you say redness? Rojes. Rojes. So for those of you just listening, that ends with a Z. So I guess if you're in Spain, maybe they'd say rojez. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but that's also why you pronounce the second syllable, because that's your, you know, your, uh, your rules about what syllables to pronounce is if it ends in a consonant, besides N or S, you pronounce the last syllable, right? So if that was an S with no accent mark, you'd say rojes. <laughs> um, anyway, but rojes means redness. Um, so you could use this from time to time if you just want to ask if there's some redness. Now, another little variation, let's, let's use a sentence, but say something slightly different than before. So you learn a new word or, or practice something different. So let's say, do you have redness on your skin? We haven't used the word skin, I guess, uh, that I can recall. So let's say, do you have redness on your skin? Tiene rojes en la piel? Tiene rojes en la piel? So that's how you would say, do you have redness? on your skin, but I said the skin. Remember, usually with body parts, you say the in Spanish. All right, so one final term related to rashes, which could be pretty useful sometimes, uh, is the word for blisters, blisters. So how would you say blisters in Spanish? Ampoyas, ampoyas. And why do we care about blisters? Well, perhaps you're wondering if they have shingles or herpes or something like that. And so you might want to ask, were there blisters 
here or in this area? Let's say here. Were there blisters here? And you can point to their possible shingles rash or their possible herpetic rash. Um, so how would you say that? Were there blisters here? Había ampollas aquí? Había ampollas aquí? Or you could say, did you have blisters here? Tenía, remember, tenía, tenía ampollas aquí? So, a couple, couple different variations. So that's how you could ask about blisters. Uh, so hopefully that helped you tie some things together because we learned present tense, past tense, do you, do you have, did you have, were there um, on your arms and your legs, on the skin, etc., and various different types of rashes. So I suspect that'll probably be pretty useful the next several times <laughs> that you're asking a patient about rashes in Spanish. If you're watching the video version, and you know how I alluded to some beginner Spanish tips and stuff, um, if you want to work on your beginner Spanish, I've got a whole playlist where I go over a lot of high-yield stuff related to that. And I've got a playlist here with some of the medical dialogues and things like you would use if you're talking to your patient. If you're on the podcast, obviously, just look at the list of episodes and see what you can find. Thanks for being here. I'll see you next time. The Learn Medical Spanish podcast is not medical advice and does not replace the need to see your own medical providers. It also is not a substitute for using a medical interpreter when needed. 